Good. Hey, come on hey. in, Jay. Hey, buddy. Hey, Look at that right in time. Flying <laughs> in the back there, a real professional oh. journalist who wrote an excellent piece yesterday. I wrote True North yeah. Center. You've got you have to read it, and um, it will. If it doesn't make you disgusted, you're you're not alive today. Uh, let me ask you, Jason. Are you grumpy this morning? Because we are. Uh, I'm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm late. Uh, the professional <laughs> journalist was uh, late. Just want to note that. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. I, there was an accident on right where I came on the highway. So uh, sorry about that. Sorry, I might have left that behind me. I'm not sure. That might have been me. I'm a grumpy guest this morning. Why? Not because I have a horrible sleep, although that contributed. We got the result of the Coots envelope yesterday dismissed dismissed we don't even know what was in there but the judge said meh let's get rid of it did that in closed court had nobody in the court at the time lock of doors didn't let even the men in the men themselves did not participate in this decision so, so he didn't even like i heard once somebody online is saying he adjourned it like signy die but he, but you know just into forever or did he actually dismiss it or do we even know at this point it's tough to say because yeah. it was closed. Uh, what we got was there. what, there you go. yeah, yeah, what what we got was the news kind of from the faces of the defense that it's not going to be used, can't be used, won't be going forward. So whether it was dismissed, burnt, you know, given so to the same. gods, I have no idea. But same effect. We're frustrated. We're frustrated because I find this to be a very bad miscarriage of justice. It's it's hiding. It's it's. I believe there's some corruption here. I don't know the contents of it, but for really well-respected lawyers said this is a really serious crime, crime here, a crime fraud. In fact, their comments was echoed by the judge saying, I got four people in front of me telling me it's very serious. And he used that part of the argument to pierce a veil, taking their word on it, using their reputation to go ahead and take a look. But he didn't agree. Uh, do keep in mind, this judge was a prosecutor in that prosecution's office. He knows the people in there. He even highlighted some of them he respects. And uh, so look, I am mad today. I'm grumpy. And uh, it didn't matter if I had a good sleep or not. I probably would feel the same way. Don, you? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the men have been in there now. We know they're political prisoners. 627 days 627 now. 627 days. And um, when this this first surfaced, there were all, all sorts of, uh, we took lots of, many guesses from what, but people said that, that it was crime fraud. They said it was corrupt. They said that the uh, crown attorney who was involved was at the very least a witness and maybe a defendant in a criminal action. All these things were said in open court. Don't forget the one lawyer said to his client, golden ticket. Golden ticket, yes. No lawyer would say that to a client. No lawyer would would, would make false expectations, especially not this professional group of, of, of just dedicated uh, lawyers, dedicated to justice, but they would not mislead their client. They would not give them false hope. You just don't do that because, so it must have been really something. Yeah, I do know that uh, Steve Johnston at one point was brought in for part of the hearing. So I guess maybe some questions were asked. He was a witness himself to it in either case. And no, this is not Cheech. I saw the chat there. Who's Cheech in the back? This is Jason Ungra. Hello. <laughs> Hello. What? Good morning. Want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jason Ungra. I've been uh, covering the Helen Gruss trial um, since the August hearings, really, seriously, every day here on Thursday, but I want to hear more about this 
mystery envelope. Well, I mean, this sounds like a game show and mm. not the fun kind of game show. What, what's going on with this? Why cannot, why can't the contents be revealed? Uh, what is so secret about the contents of this envelope? And I mean, you guys are really uh, hedging your bets on this one, right? That it was going to be the, the golden ticket, as you say, to get yeah. out of jail for these four men. Um, yeah, what's up with that? Can you explain that to me? To be frank with you, uh, this is the most common comment I'm getting from everybody is if if it can't be used, why not release it then? Why can't the public know what's in it if it was so benign and it wasn't uh, important enough? There's like, I don't know. I'm not used to seeing this kind of misjustice because I think this is a misjustice, Donald. Because um, if it is benign, if it's something that the Crown didn't do wrong, let us know what it is. But no, it's under publication ban. And and I can tell you that the lawyers, because I spoke to one of the family members yesterday, they themselves basically have to take it to their graves. There will probably be some repercussions to them to leak it. I do know that all copies were destroyed. The physical copies were destroyed. The uh, electronic copies were destroyed. There was one copy left in the envelope that was given to the Crown, eventually to the judge. I expect that copy to be destroyed as well. So we may never know unless somebody's conscience gets the better of them and there's a whistleblower that, that provides it. Have the defense lawyers seen the contents? Yes, of the defense lawyers and a law student have seen it. The men have not, and the men don't know what's in it from my conversations with them. That may change. How can that be, though, that there's no uh, disclosure between the client and his, <clears throat> his solicitor? Isn't that um, part of having legal representation, that your, Good your, your solicitor is basically an your appendage right in the court to represent your interests? I don't understand why the lawyers for the defense can't, reveal this to their clients if they haven't already you know wink wink nudge nudge well i know two of the men say they haven't heard it they, they don't know what it is it. yeah you i can't speak to that how have you spoken to these gentlemen they've been incarcerated do you, do they call me you and i have away? text messages yeah. right okay yeah i use this app called get out or something like that get ironic out. name yeah uh, sure. but it's for text messaging uh, inmates in the system so look uh i can tell you i haven't been told that they know there's a rumor one of them knows. I'm not going to expand on that rumor, but I am dying to know what was actually in there. I hope somebody has a conscience. We get it out into the public because this needs to be exposed. I would even, you know, gamble putting it on the show, publishing it uh, in violation of the publication ban because this is not how justice is supposed to be done in the shadows in the dark. I still don't know the contents of it, so I'm still pretty safe about it. But to answer your question, they closed the court and the men were not there. Both times. So the, the actual discussion um, on the 31st, it was closed. It was video, no public. And then the decision came out uh, yesterday morning. They didn't allow anybody in the court to close the court. The men wasn't there, weren't there. And they had basically the whole morning to continue that discussion. Steve Johnston was there and he's supposed to be recused. So he's not actually defending the application. But I guess he was called as a witness during some of that uh, proceedings. And that's an assumption because, again, it was a closed court. Um, but the men don't know, and they weren't even there. And the charges against them, I mean, the the most serious charge, I guess, is that they conspired to kill police officers. That's is the that allegation. Correct? Yeah, conspiracy to commit murder. It's conspiracy to commit murder of, of RCMP. I, I don't understand why, I mean, if they have a, if the Crown has a solid case against these gentlemen, why do they not proceed then? Well, here's what, here's what's uh, in a timely happening. fashion, you know, yeah. as per habeas corpus and all of that, right? Yeah. 
Well, here's what's been happening. There's been a systemic denial of disclosure. To, to remind you guys, the rest of yesterday was arguments for disclosure. They have th uh, two, and a, or two and a half days of arguments for disclosure of Scribnos. Scrib They're they, still fighting. They, the, the Crown is using this, weaponizing it against these four men. And let's put this in context of what we know now about Hategate. Hategate, mm. uh, as we know, the all of the intelligence that was used really all of the intelligence that was used to declare the emergencies act came from a federally funded hate group right bernie farber's <laughs> little uh, little club right mm -hmm. well government funded clubs those are the, those are the best kind yeah. for bernie and friends i guess and 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 it was totally without merit false not well sourced and the government your government used that along with a a table full of rifles that, that was a propaganda photo um none of which meant anything no all hunting you know hunting guns um and they used that to shut down this country they desperately needed boots they needed to charge these four men they needed something to declare the emergencies act they couldn't do it with just just Ottawa. Right, because Ottawa wasn't giving them the reaction that the they violence, wanted. Yeah. Uh, bouncy castles. The bouncy castles. Uh, but but there was there was no guns found on, on anyone among the, the convoy or the or the hangers on or the you know the, the, the co demonstrators. There were, were no weapons found. Mm -hmm. I mean um, No, in fact there was almost some planted possibly that truck of two thousand guns. Now, that particular one out of Peterborough or something like that, Yeah, um, that was tipped off to the good people at Vets for Freedom, who then tipped off everybody else that they heard about it, which I think nixed the plan. But, I mean, besides the guns or the, you know, the lack thereof, I mean, there was, the crime went down in Ottawa during the Freedom Convoy. This uh, this was reported already by Blacklock's reporter. Yep. Um the con the convoy was was making downtown Ottawa a safer place, which mm -hmm. I might add, uh, the Somerset Ward, which includes down uh, the Parliament pre precinct, is a uh, is the most dangerous uh, area in the city per uh, by crimes per one hundred thousand. So four more than forty percent higher. T typically, in a normal day, right, it's 40% higher than the most crime-ridden city in all of Canada, which, if you can believe it, is Kelowna. Now, this is reported crimes per 100,000 residents. So, so when the convoy showed up, I mean, they uh, they kept they they made the peace in a way, right? I mean, in the downtown. I mean, of course, the local anti-convoy Karens will <laughs> dispute that, but like. Anti-hate network was a was a source for multiple media outlets to just sort of rebroadcast and amplify this idea that you know the convoy was a bunch of uh, Nazi, you know Trump supporting whatever whatever is right looking for their January sixth moment. I mean, um, the, the 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 like like that. Um, 
the the like anti hate network was a was a conduit for all of these rumors. So so too was I mean the mainstream media was a conduit for 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 similar rumors about the convoy, right? And that, right. And that just got amplified across Canada. And I was getting messages from people I knew in British Columbia, Yellowknife of all places, right? They're like, "Oh, are you okay in downtown Ottawa? It sounds crazy down there." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I'm fine." I go, "You're fed. You're warm. You're friendly." <laughs> I can walk out my door right now and go down and get like a choice of meals, right? Hot meals, sandwiches. I mean, they had a pig on a spit for God's sakes going around. A pig roast. Don't tell. Yeah, what Paul a riot. Yeah, what, don't uh, tell Paul, Paul Champ because I'm sure they use propane to heat that. <laughs> He didn't like those propane bottles, Paul Champ. Yeah, yeah. You mean like the propane bottle that sits on every deck on every home in this country? <laughs> that propane bottle? Yeah, feeding the homeless. Everybody was being fed. Well, see, if you're a typical Ottawa Karen, a progressive, don't forget the Karen, Kevin's. The Kevin's. Your idea too. of protesting is, you know, you get the kids together and you make like, oh, fight climate change or you know, anti-racism or whatever the call, Greta Thunberg, right? And you all roll down to City Hall for a couple hours and you wave your signs around and chant your slogans and then you go home, right? That, that That's a typical anti-convoy Ottawa Karen demonstration in their tiny minds. So when the truckers showed up, uh, I don't think they were prepared for what, what was to come. I mean, in terms of like the determination of these guys, and, you know, I, I've worked a bit of heavy construction and mining in my time. I mean, the, 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 the people that you work with in these industries are incredibly resilient. They're often working in very remote locations. So it's like you get the job done or you fail. So the idea that, that you know, of parking their trucks like for an indeterminate length of time and just living out of them. I mean, this is very much... They were prepared to do it, these guys, too. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that even the Ottawa police or the politicians like understood this sort of blue collar resolve that these folks had. And uh, I think it scared the crap out of them in the end. Right. They, well, they couldn't they couldn't compute what was happening. You know, <laughs> well, when you push people far enough or they got nothing to lose, they're going to stick around. Cause they got nothing to lose. You took their jobs, you took their dignity, you called them names. Right. And, and they had nothing else to lose. Well, and, I, and I think it's just a further example of the rampant, you know, I guess bigotry or prejudice that this current government has in Ottawa towards the working class. I honestly think that, that maybe they believe, you know, these truckers they are poor, right? How long can they hang around here? And they just that another ignorance about about yeah. you know the truck the trucking business in general and 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 and, and blue collar people in this country. I mean, they make good money. They're tough, and uh, you can't push them around, right? And um, yeah, and one of the ignorant comments was, "Why don't you guys go home and do your job?" That's why they were there. They didn't have their job. Their job was taken from them, and they were losing their home too. So I understand that frustration and resolve for sure and the conviction to stick around. I do want to highlight one thing from the chat. Somebody reminded me about the news article. I posted it on my ex. It's from a Globe and Mail, an article about how over the last five years, the number of people sitting in remand pre-trial has dramatically skyrocketed, especially in Alberta. And there's a comment in there from the attorney general who explicitly said, they have special prosecutors there inside of the attorney general's office whose sole purpose is to ensure that they stay 
uh, that serious crime offenders stay in remand until trial. So they have a special prosecutor whose job is to convince the courts not to allow bail. So I'm not surprised now. Uh, I got to highlight something for Chris Carber uh, when he did his bail review, which we hear the results of on November 8th. So next week, yesterday, um, part of his argument was the envelope. So I was speaking to Betty last night. She'll be on tomorrow morning. We'll get into far more detail about that. So Betty Carbert will be on tomorrow morning for an hour with us. We'll get into detail, detail about that. But now even that result is concerning because that judge that denied his bail originally had didn't want to hear anything back in the day when she first denied it. Now this new hearing that he got or review that he got, the envelope and the contents of the envelope was argued in as evidence that the Crown was playing games. So now that this has been dismissed, oh, we're worried. Betty and I and the rest of the team is is worried. What's going to happen when these men are found innocent? Are they going to be found innocent? Well, yeah, look, I know the whole, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. But from what we've seen so far, I have not seen a single bit of evidence that upholds the, the main charge. Don't forget, these four men, now two of them were friends from childhood, great, yeah. but the other two, they never met, you know. Well, it's never, loose, loose. I can tell you the look, connections, they're okay. small. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're nothing. They didn't hang out together. They might have seen each other and waved at the grocery store if somebody knew somebody like that. The RCMP want us to believe that four people who really had no real serious connection at all, other than being in the same neighborhood or the same province, whatever, met at this at this protest in Coots, sat down at a table, had a coffee, and somebody said, I've got a great idea. Let's murder a police officer. And the other guy looked at him and had a sip of coffee and said, I think that's a fine idea. And, and the other two went, yes, yes, let's murder a police officer. Come on. Not a chance. Come on. No. Come on. No. We, and, and we know that, <clears throat> we know that um, the firearms that were seized were used as propaganda. They weren't fingerprinted. They didn't protect them for DNA. Mm-hmm. They spread them all out on a table with a police car in the back so you could see who did this wonderful job. And they used that photo to declare the emergencies act. That's, that's, that's a real straight line, folks. It's a real straight line. If they didn't have the arrests in Coots, Alberta, they wouldn't have been able to declare the emergencies act. It would have been just a non-starter. They needed, and they needed that national terrorist organization. They gave a press conference on February 14th in the morning, just before they declared they declared the emergencies act in, in the afternoon. But they knew this. This was coming. We, we've heard all sorts of testimony. They gave a press conference to say that they didn't know who these mysterious terrorist uh, bosses were that were directing this from their Haunts, I thought it was Vladimir Putin. Isn't that what some talking head on CBC said? It yeah, was Vladimir could, could, Putin. Could have been. Could have been. Turned out. And Donald Trump, of course. Of course. Yes, yes, Trump of is course, everything. Course. Okay. And it turned out to be a bunch of government-funded radical wackos. And and the intelligence behind this was just nothing. So they went out and 
they got what they needed for their political masters. I'm talking about the RCMP. And that was used to shut down this country because they just wanted they just wanted that control. Well, they shut it down just a little bit harder than it had been for the previous, I mean, almost two years at this point, right? By the time the convoy rolled into town, I mean, we were going, we were well into year two of the COVID mania. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so they just, it was, they just were able to turn the screws a little bit harder, especially on the, on the most vocal dissenters. Seize bank accounts. Yeah, it's absolutely, and, and, yep. you know, it's absolutely criminal in my opinion, what, what the government did there, but also what the government did during the coronavirus governments too, right? Municipal, provincial, federal, but it it was, it was a top-down approach, right? Uh, Blackface Hitler, um, I'm talking about, of course, our prime minister. (laughs) Did you see his costume for (laughs) Halloween? He dressed up as us. He had the plaid outfit. He dressed up as a trucker. He dressed up as a trucker. Well, I'm not a trucker. No. But, okay. Well, but I, I'm definitely a big uh, a big supporter of truckers and 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 people who keep this country moving, and, and especially the people who showed up at the Freedom Convoy too. I mean, just you know, I, the Freedom Convoy was a lot of fun, but there was a meaning behind. There was a big meaning behind this, obviously, right? I mean, our rights were being taken away. Our bodily autonomy was being taken away by you know some. Ponce, uh, who lives in the cottage at Rideau Place or whatever, and his fake wife. But you know that. But but there was some there were some serious moments and and some real tear jerkers too. I don't know if you fellows read the letters that children had written these truckers. Uh, they were some, beautiful. Some of the truckers had 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 pasted these letters from children uh, that they picked up as they drove across the country. <clears throat> I mean, uh, really. It choked me up reading some of these letters like these are the children right who are who are really su- who suffered the most out of from from, from the pandemic uh, i mean they, they you know they're relatively uh, safe from succumbing to coronavirus i mean the ne- nominal ne- less than nominal chance of succumbing if you were a child if you're anyone a healthy person under 60 but these are the young people who suffered the most and they wrote the, such heartfelt letters to the truckers i mean if that didn't bring a tear to your eye or choke you up i don't know what would and of course the fake news just totally ignored all of this right i never saw any sympathetic reports about the convoy participants or the oh or, they were talking about taking the children from the, the yeah, truckers right child protectors did they did come down and took a look and they actually were the ones that stood up and said there's nothing wrong they're well taken care of. They're fine. And we're leaving the situation now. And I also want to highlight something. Yes, COVID didn't harm children, but the co- the uh, truckers are fighting against the mandates of vaccine. And as we now know, with Detective Helen Gruz in this situation, children were harmed by the vaccine. Right, so right. Is- but even before that, I mean, they were they were at home. They couldn't see their friends at school. And then when they finally let them go back to school. Yeah. They were forced to wear face masks. And in my opinion, that's just pure child abuse. Uh, I have, you know, your, 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 your visual cues are gone, right. For developing minds, you're yeah. sucking in more carbon dioxide, uh, which isn't good for developing, uh, organs and growing young, growing 
children. It's absolutely ridiculous whoever came up with this idea and then ruthlessly enforced it. Um, so, so yeah, the kids were abused long before they started selling their parents vaccines to give right. to the children, which, and they, which they continue to do to this day, which is completely ridiculous. Criminal. It's yeah, it's criminal, it's criminal. in my mind. Um, but here we are. Hey, Padge, do me a favor. Go ahead and put Jason's name in that bottom thing with Donald and I, so people can see his name. There's a couple of people asking in the chat who you are. Oh, hey, right. I just found him sleeping back there. So I had to kick him this morning to wake him up. At J Unroth <laughs> is my Twitter handle. Uh, capital J A Y capital U N R A U all one word at J Unraw. So hurry up, be my 77th Twitter follower. I will. <laughs> and I'll send you a Tim's card. <laughs> he's oh, lying. Do not believe him. We have yeah, a box of lying. coffee. If you want some yeah, Tim's coffee, come down and join us. By the way, uh, tomorrow Lich is expected to be joining us here. Uh, for the afternoon. So if you're going to be in the area and you want to come check out the Helen Gruss matter live and see what's going on here, because this, I can't even call this kangaroo court. Kangaroo court actually has some meaning to it. This is worse than that. What we're seeing here today. Uh, Donald, you actually, you got some overnight information that you weren't pleased about. Like we're going to hear, or are we not going to hear from D detective Bruce? Like, well, what's well, going on? Okay. Okay. First, first of all, um, Whatever plan was in, in place, we saw that yesterday, whatever plan was in place uh, for how the defense and how everything was going to be con conducted, it just went out the window. Uh, this, this prosecutor is just unbelievable. So what we have was a, 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 a debate and, and then a decision by the court, which I agreed with for for once <laughs> this 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 um, it's first of all it's a hearing it's a tribunal it's a regulatory matter it's not criminal detective Bruce is charged under the police services act with one count of discreditable conduct and you say well what is that what is discreditable conduct with something that brings the police service into disrepute um and it was interesting that witness on the stand yesterday, one of the professional uh, standards officers who was interviewing, interviewing her and uh, defense, defense lawyer asked him, well, what was discreditable about what Detective Bruce did? Objection. 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 Yeah, yeah, we heard that immediately. Yeah, yeah. Objection. Like it's not relevant. Huh. Not only is that relevant, that is the core of the <laughs> charge against her. But... Uh, so, so what we had happen is there are two witnesses uh, who, who are, I mean, they were crucial. They were, they were there. The, the first one was the uh, partner of Sergeant Jason Arbutnot, who was the lead professional standards investigator. Both of them, and uh, please, someone help me with his name. Uh, Barube. Yeah, Barube. So, so, and he seemed like a nice man. He seemed to be one of the more, I guess, uh, I don't want to use the word sympathetic, but he was, um, that was the one neutral. He appeared very neutral to me as, as the question went on. You know, I mean, like this guy was a good faith operator. He was there, you know, just as a sort of a, what, you, you, you conduct these types of interviews in pairs, right? Is, right. That, is that part of the, you know, to make sure that you're 
nothing funny is going on or whatever. That well, it's additional credibility for the team. Followed and, by and, the book. You know, everyone's doing things. Right. Plus, with two people there, someone might think of a question or, or an area of, of interest and the other person wouldn't. So, it's you know, there's nothing sinister about it. It's the way it's supposed to be. Right. But, I mean, just a, a, we've seen, a, we've seen I guess, eight, eight witnesses almost now, right? Uh, yeah. And, and he... He seemed to me to be the sort of a very straight shooter. Like he didn't have a didn't have a dog in the fight. Really. Like Detective McDougall at the end of uh, the day before yesterday. Yeah, she seemed very straightforward as well. Where the other witnesses, mm. uh, they had you know they had their 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 interest in this. Obviously, Sergeant Arbutnot because he he laid the charge. But the other witnesses who who showed, uh, in my opinion, bias against Detective. Bruce. Well, I, I will say this: Brube, Brube, did to a lesser extent but still did tailor his evidence to better suit a conviction he, he, he did okay uh, you know he offered opinions that why why would anybody do this uh, yeah, forget I'll right have, i'll have to look in the notes but he 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 had he was less vehement or less in opposition to her but he still had a position which was uh, the professional standards position that arbuthnot laid out Officers should just do what they're told, not ask questions, and not ask whether a, an order is lawful or not. You know, I, I mean, that was what Arbuthnot laid out, and that was just incredible. But anyway, we have these two officers. One was Staff Sergeant Rossetti. Staff Sergeant Rossetti will be testifying today, and we had Berube testify yesterday okay. these were not called by the prosecution correct it's actually fought against having them that's right okay now there's we're going to see why and you're going to hear why today but um so the prosecutor i mean the prosecution can call whatever witnesses it wants but if the prosecution doesn't call witnesses that are so obvious, they were there, they have something to say, they're they're relevant, they saw they saw important uh, things happen, and the prosecution doesn't call them, that raises questions. Now, the defense could have called them, but then the prosecution is able to turn them in cross examination. Uh, yeah, that would have, be have them turn, turned into hostile witnesses and, and all the rest of that. So. There is a provision I understand very rarely used in tribunals. I did not know this, that the the hearing officer himself, herself, can subpoena and direct witnesses. They are compelled to come, and that's what he did. So, so now to have, clarify, the, the provision ahead. allows them to do anything, make any rules they want, and then the case law that was presented by the defense was in courts. They actually do this all the time, compelled witnesses. So, so in in any event, um, uh, these witnesses are compelled. Garubi came, and uh, fair, I can see why he was there and, and such. Rosetti, she is the staff sergeant who, in September two thousand and one, declared that the sexual assault and child abuse squad (SACA), of which Detective Bruce was involved in, what was a member of, and they are responsible. We're investigating all unex uh, sudden, uh, unexpected infant deaths. They're responsible for that. And Rossetti put out in writing in September of 2021 that no one was to talk about COVID or the vaccination right. in this squad. In other words, 
she made a determination that took any uh, any connection between vaccines, anything like that, right off the table, investigating sudden infant tests. I, yeah, and I think if my memory serves me correctly, too, it came up in uh, during cross-examination of the previous witnesses that, you know, I mean, there was an edict that was delivered, I think, by Sergeant Key to that effect. No COVID conversations. Also, oh. use the buddy system when you're hanging out with that detective Groose because she might talk about something like i don't know covid and you don't <laughs> want that to happen right because no one's to talk about covid unless it's masking up and keeping their distance but i believe this uh, rosetti uh character she confronted uh detective Groose like in a very public manner if my memory serves me correctly and i think that is going to be a, a big deal today I think it is going to be a big deal. And don't forget, in the chain of command, she's over Sergeant Gee. Right. Right. So, so, um, and by the way, Sergeant Gee was uh, an expert in sudden, sudden infant death investigations. And as we heard uh, on, on Monday, out of 500 that he supervised the investigation or reviewed the investigation on the Ontario Council where, where that is done, out of 500, over the years that he was on, on that uh, uh, oversight body, only one or maybe two died in their mother's arms. Mm. And yet, in the cluster of seven sudden infant deaths, used to be nine, but we found out that one was a homicide and one was a drowning. So they're off the table. So that leaves seven. And out of those seven, two died in their mother's arms. And there were some two who had enlarged hearts mm -hmm. or heart conditions these are infants uh, they, 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 now look someone said that's a small sample yeah it's a small sample thankfully but it's powerful evidence to hear a man who had uh, oversight of the investigations of some 500 sudden infant unexpected deaths and say only one or two of 500 died in their mother's arms so unusual so unusual right and typically they're typically they're crib deaths right right do they come in the morning or after the nap and the poor child's there i went <clears> to <throat> a few it's terrible yes it is but to have the child die in the mother's arms breastfeeding hmm? also worth noting i don't know if you guys touched on this this morning before i Arrived oh, yeah, the show started like 15, right, we walked in 15 the door. seconds. Oh, okay, that's great. That's yeah, great. So, so I wasn't too late. No, but no. Uh, Center for D Disease Control data dropped uh, the other day, and infant mortality in the United States is up 3%. Whatever could it be? Whatever could it be? So, and, and so, so there you go. I mean, we're getting a lot of data coming in. Uh, Denny Rancourt is another. Uh, person who likes to look at data. I know he's a friend of yours, uh, Donald. Uh, he's he's written uh, extensively about COVID throughout, and he's cl he's claiming uh, that the vax uh, I think it killed more people than uh, than COVID. Did. Millions, yeah. millions. Um, and he's using um, excess mortality data. There's I, I believe Edward Dowd in America. He used to be a <clears throat> In, uh, speculator or whatever, J.P. Morgan or something, right? He was a Wall Street guy. Anyways, he has combed through reams 
of uh, insurance uh, data, and 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 he's come to a similar conclusion um, that the that the vaccines are injuring people and uh, and harming them based on insurance payouts, and uh, and this is like a big elephant in the room that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I wonder when somebody. Well, there's a couple more things I want to throw in here. Going to pay attention to it, right? Other than us, the all the alternative media, and you know, people like uh, Detective Helen Gruse, and so on. But I mean, yeah, they're accusing her of having a belief that the COVID vaccines or whatever were harmful. But no, she was using the Pfizer documents that were released at that time. If you don't remember, early 2022, there was a release from Pfizer of their documents that showed pregnant women lost babies so they took that data out before it went public she had that information this is what she was basing a lot of her information and research on so i don't want to give the impression that she just believed the vaccines were harmful she had data she was looking into it one of the early people looking into it and thank god for that right. and, I, and i also want to mention here not only did the defense have to fight for these two witnesses who are potentially hostile that has information that's relevant that the prosecution didn't call they also have to fight for their five witnesses that they want to call which are three doctors who have a lot of information i believe all of them if not some of them are part of the nci and uh, the, a staff sergeant who has more information on police uh, um, procedures and then sean buckley the lawyer from the nci who's a health expert lawyer on health care and how it's supposed to work and they have to fight to have them as defense witnesses typically that's not a stage the defense has to go through they can call basically anybody they want to put on their defense but the prosecution and this one's so proactive and making things so difficult and keeping the truth out of that hearing they actually had to do yesterday good chunk of yesterday was uh, arguing whether or not they can bring these uh, right. uh five witnesses in and, and that will continue but there's Today, something yes. really unusual that's happening and that's this the uh, prosecutor. Sorry, uh, Carla. No, Dr. Mackis is not one of them. Uh, go take a look at my post. I listed the three names. Thorpe was one of them. Um, but please go take a look at my list. Mackis is not one of them. Yeah. So, so something really unusual is is happening with the vetting procedure. Um, the the hearing officer sa said he was going to make it a two stage. Uh, procedure right that's right uh, and, relevancy and then whether or not they're experts right right so in, in other words and and the prosecutor was so she just smiled this big cheshire cat smile when he said this so instead of just uh, proving that the witnesses are experts no he's made it a two-stage thing mm -hmm. are they relevant and only then will we get to whether they are experts or not. Correct. And that's a good clarification because that's not yeah. normal. Normally, the relevancy and the weight of their evidence is a decision made by the arbiter later after I they hear that. the evidence. I have the proposed expert witnesses list. It's just in, should I go get it? Do you guys want to talk about this? You could, or Paula can pull it up because it's one of my tweets from oh, yesterday. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. That's fine. That's what I hired her for. That's what you pay her the big bucks right, for. Right, right. <laughs> um, also, for people listening along who keep hearing about these Pfizer documents, um, if you're on Twitter and you want to have a look at these documents and you want to have a look at the analysis of these documents, you can go, it's at Pfizer Book. So at capital P-F-I-Z-E-R, capital B-O-O-K, at Pfizer Book on Twitter. And you can you can peruse some of these documents about the about the pre, um, the cumulative review of pre, 
pregnancy and lack and lactation right there's 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 that document which which outlines a, a lot of the data that we're talking about. I mean, uh, we're talking about spontaneous abortions. We're talking about uh, spike protein transfer from the mother to the baby, either in utero or via nursing. Um, and, and, and the authorities are passing off the spike protein transfer as, you know, this is like uh, the antibody transfer from the mom to, to the baby. And this is a good thing and happens all the time and all this. And it's, but I thought it wasn't leaving the arm. I'm right. Pretty right. sure that that's what we were told. But, and, and no, and, you were never told that. No, nope. no. Forget about that. Oh, you were never told that. But it must be wrong. But anyways, instead of listening to three jokers like us talk about it, like if you want to see the real data and if you want to look at like real medical analysis of this, as I said, go to at Pfizer book on Twitter. Some of the information is there. You can there's a book that's uh, that's available too if you want if you want to really do a deep dive. But this is real. Pfizer knew that these products weren't safe, mm-hmm. and they went ahead and 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 sold them to uh, to a marketplace of governments who were desperate for this stuff. I I don't know because it was going to free everybody from the COVID fear that the government whipped up for a year or whatever. Um, a- anyways, the whole thing is just shocking. Yeah, but we are we are getting some good push from the defense here. They're working hard. I believe there was an injunction that they filed a few days ago at the beginning of this week. Do you have any information on that? For uh, the notes, to get her notes? Okay, that I, I that wasn't an injunction. I think uh, Jason... Yeah. Do we know what that was that. called? So I know something was filed in it court. Was a, so, the, so it's an application for judicial review. And this is public information. You can it go to the court It is public information. I have a copy of it right here. It's actually a good little thing to have, especially for journalists covering the case i wish i had had this document earlier because i have made a small error in my story i published yesterday hopefully uh, it will be rectified today but yes it was an application for judicial review right. of the second notebook now <clears throat> these notebooks uh they typically last you know around a year right for 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 police i think that that was something that was uh t- testified to on the record right these duty books last you know eight months or a year and when police fill them they 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 they, they log the book with uh with the central you know catchment and and get a new one right these are official books that police use to keep a log of their of their daily activities of their investigations and so at issue here is that the day before Bruce was suspended she finished her her last duty book and got a new one right and 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 so for i believe a day or a day and a half she had this new duty book and and we were there or you were there uh donald in the court when when this second duty book was discovered because arbutnot sergeant arbutnot the professional standards unit investigator who was investigating helen Gruse, said that he only looked at one duty book so when they found this duty book brought it into the proceedings it was heavily redacted it was just like a stack of photocopies all blacked out these are her own notes these are her own notes these are these are notes which her defense counsel bathsheba vandenberg said could contain exculpatory evidence now Mm -hmm. the issue is here 
Groose is charged, or the, the, the charges of Groose are, are, are wrapped up into two elements. One, that she was uh, on an unauthorized special project. Personal project, I think is what per you're trying to say. Personal yeah. project to look at uh, RMS files, a child, sudden infant deaths, and, and you know, I mean, in her <coughs> belief that the vaccine was could be connected to these. And, and, and the second element of the charge is that she didn't keep an accurate duty book record at first of the RMS searches is, or so we thought, but this was, so Arbutnot testified and it's in the application for judicial review here, testified that uh, she did, Gruss did keep notes of her RMS searches related to sudden infant deaths. What she didn't do is log the one telephone call she made to the father of a, of a of a victim of sudden infant death, a, a dead dead baby. I mean, my God, it's awful thinking about this. But anyway, she made this phone call to the father. Uh, she and Arbutnot said she failed to log this in the duty book, and for him, that was. Um, just... Was well, looking it up, Susan. Yes, Bathsheba Vandenberg was at the POEC for the Freedom Corps, was part of the team for so this one of the lawyers here. Yes, Susan. Arbutnot testified that he was satisfied that the applicant, Groose, did take notes with respect to the access of nine child and or infant death cases, but that he did not see any notes regarding the phone call made on January 30th. And this is like day... This is the day she got her new duty book, too, I believe. It's January 30th. One day before book? she was... This is the new book that was discovered and mm -hmm. that the trials officer, Chris Renwick, will not let Gruce see the unredacted book nor her lawyers. This is... Insane. Insane, mm -hmm. right? In, a, in, a, in, a, in, in terms of procedural fairness. So uh, Arbonaut testified he did not see any notes regarding the phone call made on January 30th when the applicant contacted the father of a deceased baby. And he, and he said this was an area of concern for him because, because she, she, he didn't find any notes about this phone call, but then he didn't see the other duty book, right? So this is this big mystery. It's like the, Hel the mystery envelope for Helen Gruss. Right. I I can't believe that she is being denied access to this to, to mount her defense. It would seem uh, essential. That's why she's being denied access to this. Now, I, I want to say something about this. Not everything that a police officer does is written down in their memo book or recorded everywhere. That's total hooey. And as a matter of fact, Sergeant R. Butnot, during his three-hour interview, failed to note down that he received the the um, criminal reports and and everything from um, Detective Groose. She had given him a, a ram stick with her entire reports and criminal, uh, all the criminal investigation that she had done. And she provided that to Sergeant Arbuthnot, along with some other things. And earlier in testimony, we heard that Sergeant Arbuthnot failed to record these items in his memo book <laughs> the uh oh uh oh another discreditable conduct another, i guess we'll be back next week there. i guess we'll be covering that too I, I mean and look he received property property a thing and and you know what the requirements there are chain of you custody write it down 
and you must uh, issue a receipt. If it's a member of the public, there's, there's all sorts of things you must do with property you've received. And he failed to do it. But not only did he fail to do that, he received the Pfizer documents. Mm -hmm. He received all sorts of evidence that Detective Bruce had gathered that the, these jabs were impacting uh, infants and, and adults. And he neglected his duty. He failed to launch a criminal investigation when given this evidence. As far as I'm concerned, um, Detective Bruce is not guilty of anything here, but he, Sergeant Arbuthnot, and the entire chain of command, right up with the chief, are guilty of neglect of duty. And, and as uh, famous NYPD, Frank Serpico, detective, he's watching this case. He says it's a cover-up, and uh, it is. So that, that's my little interjection. Absolutely, there. and I've never seen uh, a trial or a hearing at a tribunal or in a court where the defense had to fight so hard to bring their defense forward. They have to justify every step, or they hear that word again, objection. And now they're fighting to, even today. They're going to be continuing the fight this morning to bring their five witnesses forward. And you're not wrong, Donald. It's not normal to have to show the relevancy of a witness before they can do the, the expert testimony because they are experts. They're there for a specific reason. I, I'm surprised that I'm seeing that. I understand from the tribunal side if they're trying to keep it out and make it difficult or find ways to keep them out. But I've never seen that before. Now, are these the only five witnesses other than Gruce herself that they intend to call? Well, the, the, don't forget. Other than these two that we saw, okay. uh, the hostile, yeah. Generally, and, and I'm going off of my experience, and my experience is quite dated, um, you're usually allowed in criminal court to call up to, up to five expert witnesses. After that, you have to get special dispensation from the court. So I heard that there were going to be six expert witnesses Originally, uh, they started kicking around some things and, and there were some discussions, but now they I see at the end they have five. That may be in respect to try and put some rules to this, this free-for-all here because the tribunal, there are no rules. The, the, the hearing officer can make, make them up. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to hear more about what's in that document and what you discovered uh, whenever you got that That was That was... Uh... Well, I got it at the courthouse, Donald, um, where you get, can get these documents. Okay, Just so there's public the documents. Mm -hmm. There's nothing, uh, okay. nothing right. uh, re revelatory in here except for the, I mean, the specific, the specificity or specific, yeah, the specific aspect of Arbutnot's testimony with respect to note taking, which uh, escaped even my keen eye during uh, during the hearings in August, I was just under the impression that uh, Detective Gruce took, took spotty notes in relation to her RMS queries and the phone call to the father of the deceased child. But apparently, you know, he t it wasn't it wasn't her RMS queries that were at issue. It was specifically the phone call. And, and so this is like... As, as I wrote previously for True North back in August, I mean, this this charge against her seems to be a nexus of wrong think and, mm -hmm. a, and a paperwork uh, mistake, right? I mean, so she didn't log the phone call as far as Arbonaut was concerned, and she, you know, she wasn't allowed to 
investigate the the connection of the of sudden infant deaths with COVID COVID vaccines. So you know, I mean, she was obviously bringing the force into disrepute because everybody at the time knew that these vaccines were safe and effective, right? Because mm. Theresa Tam told us. Prime Minister told us, everybody told us the fake news was telling us it was totally safe and effective. And then, but but they didn't prevent transmission of the disease or or, or infection. Um, but but totally safe and effective. And and the first document drop from Pfizer actually that I ever saw was um, I mean, keep in mind, people, we were a live experiment for Pfizer. We really, really were, because there's no there's no long-term data. You're the long-term data. I mean, we're we're all long-term data, whether we took it or not. And 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 Pfizer is basically admitting this in the documents. In the first three months that this vaccine was rolled out worldwide, there were more than 1,200 deaths, right? And 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 I believe there are more than a thousand different kinds of adverse events. These are listed. In the documents, go to at Pfizer book on Twitter. You can see these documents. This is for real. This is like three months after the, the rollout. April, April, what was it? So December, January, February, March. This was like in, in the end of March, April. They had this information. Coincidence and timing because April was when the website for the government of Canada to report vaccine injuries went up. Yep. So Right. And then in June, uh, Teresa Tam... The fate, remember the woman who said that uh, we should, we should, you know, we should try self-pleasuring ourselves, you know, like during the pandemic. And then, and then if we had to, you know, have like sex with another person, we, we should be wearing face masks while we did this. Like who, <laughs> I mean, it's funny, right? It's funny that, I mean, who, who believed this for God's sakes, right? Some I did. Mean, yeah. some, some <clears throat> did. Um, anyways, so January or sorry, June 1st was when Teresa Tam announced that there was going to be a compensation uh, available for people who were injured by any vaccine, right? I mean, they didn't want to be, but but everybody knows, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you know, which vaccine are we talking about here, Teresa? And, and you can go, I keep beating on about this every time I come on your show, Jason, but you can go to the Public Health Agency of Canada site and you can see the injuries tracked in real time there's there's almost 7000 serious adverse events following uh, the administration of a covid vaccine there are 95 spontaneous abortions or or miscarriages following the the administration of a covid vaccine these but they're still on this line the the benefits outweigh the risks well not for the people who were injured they don't and also should be of note that it, basically it's a 0.06% adverse event rate. So that's basically three adverse events per 5,000 doses. Like that's not really a selling feature of any medication, you know, through just and only I want to highlight, three adverse events and I want for to every 5,000 doses. Those are the reported ones. All right. the unreported ones that don't actually get in there. Yes, that's a good point. Canada has a very narrow sort of, or the public health agency has a very narrow sort of pathological uh, Acceptance determination of, of, of yeah. what constitutes an adverse event. Um, they certainly, it, it's not 1,200, right, that, that are in the original Pfizer drop. It's a very limited amount. Anyways, I encourage people to go there, type into your search engine in Google, public health agency of Canada, 
COVID vaccine adverse events, you'll see it. You can go down, you can look by, you can, you can, you can separate it by injury. You can uh, look at it by vaccine. So uh, last time I did, did some calculations, I believe Pfizer's vaccine was responsible or sort of, uh, there's 60% of adverse events occurred after people took the Pfizer vaccine. Now, this doesn't indicate like which vaccine is more safe than than the other vaccine. I mean, because I, I believe that Pfizer was the predominant uh, manufacturer for, for the vaccines distributed in Canada. I believe that more Pfizer doses have been distributed in Canada than any other vaccine. But but anyways, you can look at it. Have a look, people. It's shocking stuff, right? And I mean... Well, Pad just sharing the link right now, so you guys can go straight to it. So... So, yeah, so like when Health Canada says the, the the benefits outweigh the risk, well, that's fine and dandy, except for the 500 people who had a stroke, except for the 95 women who suffered a miscarriage, heart attacks, cardiac arrest, uh, 455 deaths, right, following the administration of a COVID vaccine. Um, now, I'm being very careful with how I say this, because, uh, you know, if when you query public health agency of canada and say well what's your threshold like do we need 600 strokes before we decide ah it's a little dangerous right how many heart attacks do we need how many and and they'll say well you know these these injuries occurred after the vaccine was administered we're not saying they caused it right Right. it just occurred (laughs) afterwards well you know um but but let's talk let's talk about (laughs) that's not good enough i think no there is an answer to your question by the way Right. The, the VERS database, a U.S. one, the number was 15. If there was 15 as adverse uh, reactions, and I got this from Dr. Rose, um, Jessica Rose, if there was 15, they would pull the product. In a normal clinical evaluation, right? And that's like a, a U.S. market. So Canada is one-tenth of that, so it should be 1.5. So after two, two uh, we should have been pulling it. Right. Well... But all you folks, we who, are still all you going. folks who got the vaccination, who, who took this uh, experimental mRNA genetic treatment, because that's what it is, and we're now seeing uh, we're now seeing papers and evidence that that it is impacting your DNA and perhaps the DNA of the next generation. Don't believe me? Go do it. But the thing we're asking here is, when you had that injected into you. Did they inform you? Did you know that people were injured, seriously injured, and dying from the same thing they injected into you? Did they tell you that? I can tell you, in, in, in 100% of the people I've spoken with, no. No, they didn't tell you that. You're asking for informed consent, Donald. Yeah. That's a bad word Nure- now. Something about Nuremberg, whatever. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to go pretty soon, but I do want to say two words, which I think might get a smile from the gentleman with me. Shamini Shakedown. <laughs> we heard that a couple times yesterday. Yeah, we haven't seen uh, the fake news conglomerate here. I, I, you know, the Ottawa Citizen, a.k.a. Pet Finder. Uh, we call it that because they're always, you know, just doing animal stories, pleasant animal stories. They should stick to doing animal stories because their journalism's garbage especially their COVID journals. And we haven't seen them. They showed up last time, though, right? To Well, well, Shamini... For the wiretap story, right? Yeah. So they could could sort of insinuate that, you know, there were 
you know, Helen Gruss was a bad lady, right? She had an emergency. There we go. She, she means shakedown hashtag. Thank she you, shakedown. There we go. So, <laughs> but anyways, this, here's the story. story. Give us the story. Here's the story. Okay. Now, there's two parts to this. There's two parts. You'll be a little bit louder. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, twice on the record yesterday, Shamini shakedown was said by Blair Ector, the defense. Correct. One of the defense counsel. Best parts of this trial so far. That's right. And that's hearing. in reference to the CBC News journalist Shamini Yogaretnam, her ultimatum to the Ottawa police and what she did. Because here's what happened. On March 28th and 31st, 2022, she and CBC published two articles that exposed, purported to expose the fact that Detective Helen Bruce was suspended and had had was under investigation for this purported unauthorized investigation where she went to the coroner's involved in these nine sudden infant deaths and illegally improperly spoke to the coroners and took their medical records and gained access to them that was the story well based upon that story we heard mm -hmm. that sergeant arbuthnot during the three-hour compelled interview on may 12 2022 we heard that whole tape recording that whole recording we heard Sergeant Arbuthnot tell Detective Bruce that she was being charged in large measure due to those CBC articles because right. it brought the, the Ottawa Police Service into disrepute. And this was Helen Bruce's fault. But wait, it wasn't Helen Bruce that told CBC. It was two corrupt police officers know their names suspect one hmm. they illegally stole took confidential police information and gave it to journalist shamigi shamini yogaretnam and yogaretnam went to the ottawa police about uh, march 24th and maybe a few days off uh, on Thursday, I think, the Thursday before the Monday, the Monday was the 28th. So on the Thursday before it was published, she went to the Ottawa police and she said this, I'm writing this story. We're going to be publishing it in 24 hours. This is your notice. And have you contacted the parents of these nine sudden infant deaths? Meaning I'm giving you 24 hours to contact the parents of, of these deceased infants or they're going to be reading about it on the CBC. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's so that triggered the, I guess the overarching concern that the police, that the police brass had that, that, that the mothers were now being informed, you know, about, about this like when, 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 by the public news, by yeah. the public news and also by the police, uh, not Helen Gruce. Helen Gruce only made one phone call, but they've been they they've been bat, banging on about this the whole time. Oh no, the mothers, all the mothers are sad now because of Helen Gruce and what she did. It's just BS, right? Yeah, yeah. So Shimini Yogaretnam gave the Ottawa police 24 hours to contact 
the parents of the deceased infants before she let loose with everything that she, that she published. That that uh, Detective Bruce had uh, was rogue. That's how they referred to her, and she had gone to the rogue anti-vaxxer, and she did rogue uh, and, and everything. And then they had this article saying that that uh, Detective Bruce victimized a second time all these parents and all the rest of that. Well, as it turned out, that article, central core of it, was a lie. We heard evidence from the professional service, uh, professional standards, the police themselves, they investigated all that. Detective Bruce didn't contact one coroner. She right. She did not gain access to the coroner's records right. improperly. As a matter of fact, both professional standards and the the, the hearing officer declared that there was no evidence that she had done what she was done looking in the police RMS files for personal reasons. There's no evidence of that at all. And in fact, it was professional. So we heard that. So this entire article that Shamini Yogaretnam wrote and published, and she did a radio show, and I have a recording of it, Shamini. I have a recording of what you said there. It's all on my website. Oh, Donald keeps receipts. Okay. And shares them. Okay. Donaldfest.ca. <laughs> the whole thing is there. Your photo, Shamini. You're there. And you just threw this journalistic hand grenade into the room. You... You, if anyone was to blame for the further victimization of the parents, it's you, Shanini, with this false story. And and uh, your rogue Ottawa police sources. And, um, you know, Detective Bruce had nothing to do with that. Nothing at all. And you deliberately manufactured outrage and you fomented it with that, with that defamatory false article uh, uh, two of them and your radio show okay and you haven't covered it since you haven't covered this this uh detective bruce hearing or the charge against her nothing cbc and you have not covered it since and we've called you out each and every time in august you sent some nice young man on the wednesday after we called you out on Monday and Tuesday, you sent a nice young man in a CBC car and he came and he sat in court for a couple hours, went away and wrote and did and broadcast nothing. And you weren't here. Right. And uh, it's uh, it's a pattern with CBC, though, and mm -hmm. through this whole saga. Right. I mean, we saw with the convoy, yep. the CBC knew more about the grannies who they found out more about the grannies who donated 20 bucks to the truckers right they they they, they did more that of that kind of investigation than they ever did let me let, the efficacy but, but, of any covid edict right you know is fate are, are do face mask work what about the vaccine right no 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 investigation about that but let's look into helen Gruss and let's yeah. look into the granny over there who gave 20 bucks to the truckers cbc you're useless I got another Absolutely thing about Absolutely useless. Well, Go ahead, Donald. Let, 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 me, <laughs> let me finish this about yogurt. Okay. <laughs> let me finish this. Okay. Because I'm on a I'm on a tear here. Yeah. She's disgusting. Ooh. There'll be fighting words. CBC is disgusting. How unprofessional for you to do this. You should at least own up to your mistakes that have been that have been uh, detailed here 
in evidence here. Well, we'll hold them accountable. Yeah, and 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 you know what? CBC, Yogaretnam, the rogue police sources, they all knew that Ottawa Police Service, Bruce investigation was proceeding normally and properly. They knew there was no cover up of the Bruce internal investigation. And therefore, their motivations had nothing to do with whistleblowing or protecting the public interest. They or, or ensuring an unbiased and professional investigation of the allegations against Detective Bruce. They just wanted a quick hit and a break story. And they didn't care about the poor parents and the damage that they did. If anybody is is responsible for the re-traumatizing these parents it's the cbc and yogaretnam and you don't even have the courage or the integrity to come here and cover this case now and correct the lies that you published one more little tidbit about the cbc i want to remind everybody on the coot situation cbc was one of the first to actually start propagating the lies until there was a publication ban put in place on some of the documents. From that moment on, the CBC was telling people, there's a media ban, there's a media ban, there's a media ban, we can't report on this. However, they were there yesterday morning. First time, they weren't there in June, they weren't there in July, they were not there in September, they weren't there in October, but until the end of October, they were there. How did they know to show up on the bad news day? Because the only thing we heard in the morning yesterday was that the envelope was being uh, denied. It was not going to be allowed forward. So they were, they were there to hear that information. Did they know that there was bad news coming out of that court and they showed up for the bad news day? Because they have not been there for any of the other trial days. So a couple things there. First, did they get a tip? And second, I guess there is no media ban, CBC, because you were there. My gosh, I think maybe they were tipped off on the bad news day. They were there for the bad news, and that's all they're interested in. They weren't there for any of the other days at all. They haven't covered this envelope thing at all. They were there yesterday. Coincidence? I don't know. But they they have definitely showed everybody there was no media ban. They reported. Uh, they just pick and choose which days are going to show up on, and how did they know it was going to be a bad result? I'm not sure. Well, if you look at... Miss Yogaretnam's journalism. She's done a lot of journalism uh, related to these uh, discreditable conduct hearings. Just, uh, you know, people like to go down rabbit holes. Go down the Shamini Yogaretnam rabbit hole and see what kinds of stories she's done over over the years. Lots of lots of discreditable conduct stuff. Um, with internal anyways, sources. With internal sources. Mm. Breaking her confidentiality oath. You know. Jur- journalism, you know, those those kinds of sources uh, can can be good too, right? I mean, you know, these these leaks are going badly for Detective Gruce, who we believe is is you know the the, the based her- on the evidence, the we no- believe, yeah. you know, is is in the right in this story, right? And the, and the Ottawa police are in the wrong, but you know, confidential sources are are always good, right? We don't want to we don't want to discourage anyone from being a uh, confidential source either. <laughs> well, here's a comment because it's from very CTV. helpful for, for us. A, a chatter is just sharing us right now with the C- CTV. CTV is on the news the other day saying that the vaccines are now proven safe. Is that an admission when they say now proven safe? Is that an admission they weren't before? Is this new and approved? Well, well, this is like all, it, when you look at these Pfizer documents, you know, the cumulative review of uh, of pregnant and lactating women, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're monitoring 
this is this is the stage three trial right. that everyone is in right now, right? I mean, it takes years. You know, we've, everyone's heard this before. It takes years to bring these types of of drugs onto the market, right? You know, you do you just you do the trial, and then they're separate, right? They were. You know, you do the stage one trial and then you do stage two trial. You, you stratify by age. Maybe you're testing it on pregnant women. They did not test this on pregnant women. They 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 overlapped stage one and stage two trial to punch this through, like in the six months or whatever that it took to develop this. And now we're to stage three long-term data trial. Like we're guinea pigs. Our government did this to us. It's criminal. And, you know, I mean, more. More people should get angry about this. In we are angry opinion. today. Today was an angry day for us. I know that you're angry. And you're <laughs> angry. And, and Jason, look, thanks too. a bunch for being here this morning. We do got to wrap it up. We don't want to miss none of this. But Jason, thanks for being here today. Hey, bud. my pleasure, Jason. We nice to see you. Nice to. Well, you got to see the back of my head. I'll show you the person? front of it shortly. There, there you go. Well, <laughs> but thank yeah. you, everybody, for joining us. I'm sorry that it was a down one, but this is the truth. We're not hiding it. We don't sugarcoat around here. Uh, bad day in Coots. It's going bad here with the Helen Gruz. Um, Mar and Chris not going so bad, but they're dragging it out. They're trying to get disclosure as well. If you're paying attention, you're keeping notes. Disclosure and coots. Disclosure here with Helen. Disclosure with uh, Tamar and Chris. They're fighting for it. And I believe in a good justice system, the defense never has to file a motion for disclosure because full disclosure is always provided. Yep. So you can see what's going on here. They're hiding, they're hiding, they're hiding. Everybody, you have yourself a good day. We're going to get in there and report to you. you got three great reporters here, two Jasons. Check out my story at True North. And then Donald. Hashtag Shamini Shakedown. Shakedown. Shamini Shakedown. Love you all. (laughs) God bless.